This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Thanks for spending some time with me in this August evening. Geez, where did the time go, huh? Already hearing ads for the CNE, of course, and for those south of the border, that's the Canadian National Exhibition. Now, it's Canada's largest community event and one of the top five agricultural fairs in North America. Founded in 1879 as the Toronto Industrial Exhibition, the CNE has enjoyed a distinguished history as a showcase of the nation, really. People came to experience the latest innovations in technology and commercial products and to enjoy the popular entertainers at the time, too. Taking place over the 18 days leading up to and including Labor Day, it's affectionately embraced as the end-of-summer ritual by more than one and a half million visitors annually. I hope those maybe tuned in from somewhere in the States might consider taking a trip here to Toronto to enjoy all we have to offer. We'd love to see you. Add to that list, you automatically jumped onto. Oh, no, we've got to close up the cottage soon. The kids are going to be gearing up to go back to school. Many parents, of course, secretly can't wait for that to happen. And you've started eyeing your wardrobe closet, thinking pretty soon we're going to be going through that to think about what we have to put away and what clothes we needed to switch from fall wear. Well, okay, let's put all those thoughts away for a bit. That's what Theater of the Mind does so well. We take you on a trip from reality to the tales of laughter or intrigue. Well, let's start tonight by going for the happy side of shows that were on the air back in the 40s and 50s. Tonight, as a matter of fact, we're going back to 1947. There were a lot of choices for folks back then. In July of that year, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe debuted on NBC. Uh, Escape premiered on CBS. And in October, You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx premiered on ABC Radio. Another choice was the talented Irish tenor Dennis Day. So, that's where we start tonight. A visit with A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, where we find Dennis is in trouble with the mother of his girlfriend, who doesn't think he's good enough for her daughter, and wants the relationship ended.
twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. In answer to many requests, here's Dennis with the famous old Scott song, The Wig Wag Wiggle of the Kilt. Forget the day I went and joined the 93rd. The chums I used to run with said they thought I looked absurd. They saluted me and gathered me in a ring. And as they wagged me tired to kill, they all began to sing. He's a cobra, heel and laddie, private jump to cave. There's not another soldier like him in the Scotch Brigade. Reared among the heather, you can see he's Scottish built. By the wig, wig, wiggle, waggle, wiggle of the kill. Talk, I am telling you, there's nothing like the skill of the bagpipe and the wiggle of the kill. Talk, I'll never forget the day we were rotted on review. The king came down to see us and the queen was we in two. As I marched by the royal coach, the king just shook his head. The queen put on her royal specs and looked at me and said, Heal the broad, broad, highland daddy, private jump brigade. There's not another soldier like him in the Scotch brigade. Red among the heather, oh, you can see his Scottish bills by the wig, wig, wiggle, waggle, wiggle out of the kills. Oh, dear, dear, he's too utterly, 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 utterly. The bra, bra, heel and laddie, private jump brigade. There's not another soldier like him in the Scotch brigade. Rare among the heather, you can see he's Scottish built. By the wig, wig, wiggle, wiggle, waggle, oh, the cute. By the wig, wag, wig, wag. A wiggly waggle, wiggle, oh, the kilt. Hoot, man! Some months ago, when it first became apparent that our young hero Dennis Day and Mildred Anderson were serious about each other, his landlady, Mrs. Anderson, felt that Dennis wasn't good enough for her daughter. That opinion of Mrs. Anderson's has been altered somewhat by time. She now feels he isn't good enough for anyone's daughter. (laughs) Mrs. Anderson has never been a woman of patience, and this morning she finally ran out of the little she had. So, without further ado, she summoned her cuter half to her side. Herbert? Yes, Angel Eyes. (laughs) I've decided this ridiculous romance between our daughter and that day boy has gone far enough. We're going to put a stop to it. But, oopsie, they're crazy about each other. Why, just the way we were at their age. They're infatuated and nothing more. Well, haven't you noticed the way he looks at her? Just like I used to look at you. With love and respect and desire and fear. I've heard enough, Herbert. You're going to Dennis today and tell him he must give Mildred up. Oh, see, I just can't. It's too cruel. Oh, nothing. Well, now, suppose someone had broken up our marriage. What would I have today? No ties of any kind. Out every night in the week with a different... A different... Well, uh, maybe you're right. I'll talk to the boy. (laughs) 
my boy? Yes, sir. I have a message for you from headquarters. <laughs> what does she say? <laughs> it's been decided that when Mildred gets married, she must be supported in the style to which she is accustomed. Gee, that's well. We'll be very happy to live here. I'm afraid you don't understand, my boy Mrs. Anderson doesn't want you and Mildred to see each other anymore Not see each other anymore? No But Mildred and I want to get married and have a home of our own and three or four children It wouldn't be easy under those conditions (laughs) I know, but you see, my wife feels that you're not making enough money at present Enough money for what? Well, name it and you're not making enough. Well, it's true that I use the simplified form for my income tax. It is indeed. Gosh, you know, I, I, I hate to see you and Mildred break up, son, but you're making only $8 a week, and, well... Uh, yeah, I know. You've asked Mr. Willoughby for a raise down at the drugstore, I suppose. Sure, lots of times. He gets very upset. His eyes pop out and he starts to shake. Oh, that isn't good for him. It isn't good for me either. I'm what he shakes. <laughs> well, let's think a minute now. Now, when I was contemplating marriage, my boss let me invest in his business. You mean he let you come in as a partner? Yes. Unfortunately, the deal turned out very badly financially, but Pupsy married me anyway. Gee, you got it coming and going, didn't you? <laughs> Nevertheless, I feel that a partnership in the drugstore is the only solution, Dennis. Now, suppose you sound out Mr. Willoughby today on putting $100 into his business. Suppose he sounds me out on what $100? (laughs) Well, let's worry about that after you speak to Mr. Willoughby. You've got to try it, son. After all, you and Mildred have been going together for seven months. You don't want to end up going together for seven years, do you? Gosh, no. We might forget what we started out for. <laughs> I talked to Mr. Willoughby this morning. Mr. Willoughby. Yes, Dennis? I've been thinking. On company time, use your lunch hour for that kind of night. <laughs> but, Mr. Willoughby, this is important. What would you say if I told you I wanted to invest some money in your business? Some money? Uh-huh. My boy! My dear, dear boy! Here, have a cigar. Oh, thank you, sir. How much money? Five thousand? Three thousand? Two thousand? A thousand? You're going in the right direction, but not fast enough. <laughs> well, how much do you want to invest? A hundred dollars. A hundred dollars? Here, have a cigar. (laughs) Thank you. Back to work, my boy. Well, it was worth a try. I thought I could get my pay and a share of the profits instead of drawing a salary. Wait a minute. Instead of drawing a salary? Yes, sir. Son, this is the time to invest in a sound business. Things are booming today like never before in history. Really? Why, yesterday I heard you tell a customer business was never worse. Uh, well, you've got to expect little fluctuations from day to day. Oh. I'll tell you what I'll do, Dennis. For a hundred dollars, I'll give you three percent of this drugstore's net profit. Oh boy, what'll that come to? Well, if business picks up a little, nearly seven dollars a week. Mr. Willoughby, I don't consider this a great step forward. Well, Dennis, you don't want to be a wage slave all your life, do you? I didn't, but it's beginning to look better to me now. <laughs> 
But a partnership doesn't mean only money, son. It means prestige. Can I ever say to you again, Dennis, sweep out this door? No, sir. No. From now on, it'll have to be partner. Sweep out this door. <laughs> yes, sir, that's true. Of course. I'll go back to my office right now and draw up a paper covering the whole thing. See you later, dear partner. Gee, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Every once in a great while, I don't. But for a hundred dollars, I ought to be getting more. Hi, Dennis. Oh, hello, Mildred. Daddy told me you were going to talk to Mr. Willoughby about a partnership. Did you? Yeah. He's inside now, drawing it up. Oh, Dennis, how wonderful. At last you've taken your first step in the business world. And who knows where it'll end? It can't go far. Seven more steps and I'll starve to death. (laughs) Well, what do you mean? Well, it turns out that partners get less money than wage slaves. But, Dennis, you can't back out now. It's an investment in your future. Don't you want to prove to people that you're a man? Well, I think I ought to let him rely on circumstantial evidence. (laughs) But don't you realize this partnership is our only chance? Mother won't let us see each other again if you don't take it. But I don't even know where to get the hundred dollars. Well, you could try the bank. They lend money to anybody who's considered a good risk. Or even a fair risk. Yeah, but I'm classified as foolhardy. (laughs) You're nothing of the kind. Go down to the bank and see Mr. Courtney personally and tell him you want a loan. Well, okay, I'll go. But I have a terrible premonition, a horrible feeling that somehow this is going to lead to another of my normal days. (laughs) So you wish to arrange a loan, Mr. Day? Yes, sir. some sort of security, Mr. Day? You own a car, a house, some sort of property? No, sir. Anything of value at all? I have a Boy Scout knife. (laughs) That's hardly adequate. However, we might possibly base the loan on your weekly earnings. Better take the Boy Scout knife. (laughs) I see. Well, Mr. Day, do you think you could write the bank a note? Oh, yes, sir. Is it its birthday or something? (laughs) I mean a promissory note. Oh, one of those. Yes, one of those. What are they? (laughs) Mr. Day, I'm a very busy man. Suppose you leave your name and address, and if we don't get in touch with you very soon, it won't surprise me. (laughs) But, Mr. Courtney, really, we... Please, Mr. Day, come in someday when I haven't quite so many personal troubles on my mind. But not today. Oh, yes, sir. I guess you mean about your daughter and that French count. I read about it in the paper. Yes, my daughter thinks she's in love with him. My own daughter losing her head over a pony like that. You know him? No, sir, not personally. But I see him in the hardware store every once in a while buying stuff for his hair. Stuff for his hair in a hardware store? He uses Johnson's glow coat. (laughs) He would. Mr. Courtney, I don't get many good ideas, but I think I've thought of one. Now, you'd give a lot to see that romance broken up, wouldn't you? Anything in this world. Anything. Anything I ever had or hoped to have. Would you give $150? $110 is my top offer. <laughs> well, what have you got in mind? Well, suppose another foreign nobleman was to come along, say, a, a Spanish duke, and win your daughter away from this French count. But then I'd be just as bad off yes, as I am yes. now. Not if the Spanish duke was me, and after I got her, I dropped her like a hot potato. Why, George. 
Today you have brains. It does sound like it today, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a great idea, my boy. A wealthy Spanish nobleman. Just perfect for a little gold digger like my daughter. I won't fail you, sir. Oh, I'm certain of it, son. Here. Here's $110 in cash. Spend what you have to and keep the rest. Gosh, what a roll. Wow. Gee, Andrew Jackson. I always wondered whose picture was on a $20 bill. Senorita Courtney, permit me myself to introduce. I am... Oh, of course. My father told me you were going to call on me. You're His Highness, the Duke Ricardo Alvarez y Velasquez y Ramon de los Trujillo. Am I pronouncing it right? If you are not, who is going to? <laughs> well, do come in, Your Highness. Or may I call you by your first name? Oh, see. Pick out anyone you like. Oh, Ricardo, you're making fun of me. You keep thinking that, no matter what anybody says. You're cute. And Daddy tells me you're just enormously wealthy. Oh, see, see, I am lorded. I could tell when I saw the lovely bouquet you sent. A great many pesos went into it. I told the girl on the roses and gardenias. She must have put them in by mistake. <laughs> Ricardo, you silly boy. You're making fun of me again. It was only a question of time. Oh, I think you're just adorable. Did, um... Did my father happen to mention to you anything about me being uh, engaged? Oh, she, to a man, I think he said. <laughs> yes, but I think we can forget about him. You're so much nicer and richer. Oh, see, I am the white sheep of my family. <laughs> yes, isn't it wonderful? And you know, Ricardo, since I've been going out with the Count, Dad's cut off my allowance. Uh-huh. There are any number of little things I'd love. That is... If you... Oh, say no more about it. We'll go down to the five and ten and run amok. Right up to ten dollars. Oh, Ricardo, you're adorable. <laughs> That's the best joke yet. This time I hoped I had missed. <laughs> There's the cutest little shop in Middletown. You especially will just enjoy it. We'll drive over. But, Senorita, really, I don't think... Oh, don't could... be silly. I don't object to your generosity in the least. That's the prerogative of royalty. Uh, gee. Huh? <laughs> Come on now, you can tell me all about your subjects in Spain as we walk to the car. My subjects? Yes. What are they like? Oh, the same as here. History, chemistry, algebra. <laughs> Ricardo, you darling. The shop I was telling you about. Look at the sign. Senora Carmen Fernandez of Madrid. Genuine Spanish laces and... Miss Courtney, I don't like this place. I think it's run by foreigners. Yes, of course. You can talk to the senora in her native tongue. This I am inclined to doubt. <laughs> oh, silly. Come on. Senora Carmen, look what I brought you. A countryman of yours. A real duke. I am glad for to meet you, senora. But for the sake of the young lady, don't you think we should speak only English? You're so right. (laughs) 
talking Spanish. <laughs> now, don't mind me at all. You two have a nice chat in your native language. Really? We don't want to. <laughs> I absolutely insist on it. Well, you better go face Duke. <laughs> Uh, San Luis Obispo de los uh, Xavier Cougar Tijuana. Oh, she, she. My, what a beautiful liquid tongue Spanish is. She, Senora Carmen and I understand each other, I think. I'll say. Now let's get back to English. Uh, would you like to see some merchandise, dearie? Yes, there are. <laughs> there are a few little things I could use. Oh, I got some lovely things in, dearie. Uh, look, isn't this a gorgeous negligee? Oh, it is. May I have it, Ricardo? Uh, the Duke is going to pay for it? Oh, yes. This gives me pause. <laughs> Check, Duke. Well, uh, how much is it? One twenty-five. Oh, cash, of course. What's a dollar and a quarter to me? I got millions. <laughs> the price of the negligee happens to be a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Huh? Wrap it up, Senora. Give her the money, Ricardo. But I, 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 I. Ricardo. But all I have here is a hundred and ten. I'm sure. Oh, well, that'll do fine. Thanks, and I'll deliver it tonight. Oh, thank you, darling. And I'll have her deliver it to you so you can give it to me tonight in person. Dennis? She, but I... Ooh. Oh, silly, I knew you all along. You're Dennis Day, the soda clerk in Willoughby's drugstore. You pretended to be a Spanish nobleman to meet me because you're in love with me. Me? Oh, no, you're wrong, Miss Courtney. You're making a revolting development positively repulsive. <laughs> Don't try to hide it, Dennis. I knew when you bought that expensive negligee for me. I think you're the sweetest boy I've ever met. I'll never let you go again. Ever. Well, Dennis, my boy, I guess there's only one thing for you to do. Drop dead. <laughs> And she said she'll never let go of me. Oh, we've got to think of something. And fast. Women. That's the trouble with this world. There's too many of them. If a person isn't a man, he's got to be a woman. There ought to be a third choice. <laughs> Wait a minute. Women. Suppose you convinced her that you couldn't be true to her. That you're a regular devil with the women. Isn't there some idea that's less fantastic? <laughs> oh, you can do it, Dennis. Don't you see? I'll come to the door with a, a telegram or something, and you pretend I'm a stranger and make violent love to me. When she sees how fickle you are, she'll never speak to you again. Well, I'll try it, Mildred. And if it doesn't work, drop down to the bank and see me sometime. I'll be the third vice president from the left. <laughs> Yes, darling. There's something I feel you should know. I could never be true to you. I believe in polygamy. What? Yeah. 
Strictly the gay life for me. Night after night. Nightclubs, parties, drinking champagne out of lady slippers. First removing the ladies, of course. You mean your girl crazy? Yeah. I wouldn't be good for you, child. I'm just an old tea bag in the cup of romance. I've been dunked too often. I don't believe one word of this nonsense. Honest. I fall in love with every woman I meet. I just... Watch. This'll prove it. Wait till you see what happens to me when I see this girl. Come in. Ah, my dream girl. Stand there. Just let me look at you. Don't move from that spot. So who's moving? (laughs) Oh, you. I thought, I mean, dream girl, I'm mad about you. I can't live without you. I can't. Wash yourself. Don't you understand? I'm mad about you. Look, here's your negligee and stay off this stuff, will you? It'll knock your brains out. (laughs) See what happens to me, Miss Courtney? And with every girl I see. But you saw Senora Carmen this afternoon and nothing happened. I know. It's at night that the beast walks. There's another girl. Probably a telegram or something. But it'll happen again. You'll see. Come in. My dream girl, stand there. Just let me look at you. Don't move from that spot. Dennis Day, have you gone crazy? No, ma'am. I love you madly. Here's my arms, dreamboat. Make port. What? Don't try to fight it, kid. Kid? Come on, let's pitch through. Bet I can pitch it faster than you can catch it. I've heard enough, Dennis Day. I never want to see you again. Come here, young man. Wait. Mrs. Anderson, please. Telegram for Dennis Day. Mr. Day will be busy for a few minutes. Shove it under the door. Now, wait a minute. You stay where you are, and I'll shove Mr. Day under the door. Mrs. Anderson, please. Wait, that's my... No, you're Wait! in his orchestra, here's Dennis to sing his latest RCA Victor recording, Mamzelle.
like wine does. No heart ever yearned the way that mine does for you. Stay tuned for The Whistler next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for another favorite of radio from the Golden Age. We present The Whistler and the episode Law of Physics, which first aired in 1951. And now stay tuned for the mystery program that is unique among all mystery programs. Because even when you know who is guilty, you always receive a startling surprise at the final curtain. In the Signal Oil program... The Whistler. Signal, the famous go-farther gasoline, invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story by The Whistler. Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now for the Signal Oil Company, the Whistler's strange story A Law of Physics. The narrow, twisting road that hugged the canyon wall was precarious at best. But at the height of a driving rainstorm, it became a treacherous, uncharted course. 
and Ross Warren's car was literally out of control as he tried to steer it safely down the canyon. The headlights were of little help as the rain washed across the windshield in great sheets that obscured his vision. The older man seated next to Ross, his hands braced against the panel, peering tensely through its windshield, was Dexter Brand, important client of the Ross Warren Advertising Agency. Suddenly, in between the waves of rain, Ross could see the road ahead of him quite clearly for just an instant, a split second. The car was headed for the far side of the road, and a sheer drop of several hundred feet. With one tremendous effort, Ross turned sharply, applied the wet brakes, and careened headlong toward the mountain. Come on, Ross! Look out! Look out! Uh, are you all right, Mr. Brand? Yes. Yes, I'm all right. Thank goodness. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I don't know what happened to this car. I, I couldn't see. Never seen such a storm. Now, what do we do? I... I don't think we have much choice, Mr. Brand. You know, there aren't many cars on this road, even in good weather. Come on, I guess we'll have to walk. At least as far as the Edgeley place. Of course, that's a good mile down the canyon from here, but they've got a phone. All right, but... Well, I'll be... What is it, Mr. Brand? Another car coming around the curve ahead of us. Hey, you there! Give us a hand, will you? Well, looks like you need it. Anybody hurt? No. No, not hurt. Can you take us back to town? Sure, pile in. I'll get the bags. Need any help with them? No, no. I've got them okay. I'll just put them in the back seat here. I don't know who you are, young man, but you're a friend of mine. My name's Brand, Dexter Brand. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Brand. I'm Bob Turner. Oh, and this is Ross Warren, Mr. Turner. Ah, How do you do? I think if you'll drive ahead for about a quarter of a mile, you'll find a place wide enough to turn around in, Mr. Turner. Okay, thanks. Yeah, but what about your car? We'd better call the garage, hadn't we? <laughs> it's a good idea, but uh, hadn't we better wait till we get to a phone? We don't have to, Mr. Warren. I've got a phone here in the car. You have? Well, I've heard of them, Oh, it's but... a wonderful gadget, believe me. I wouldn't be without one. They've just installed service in this area. Uh, what's the name of your garage in town? Um, Hoffman's. Phone number's uh, Lawton 3264. Well, this store might give us some trouble on the call, but it's worth a try. Only trick is this button. You push it down to talk, release it to listen. Mm -hmm. This is your mobile operator. This is WJ65383. I want Lawton 3264. One moment, please. Here, Mr. Warren. The garage is on the line. Oh, thanks. Hello. This is Ross Warren. Oh, yes. This is Tom, Mr. Warren. What's the trouble? Wrecked my car on Willow Canyon Road, Tom. I'm okay, but the car's in bad shape. How far up the canyon? About, uh, about 15 miles from town. Mile or so above the Edgeley place. You'd better send a tow car and get this wreck off the road before someone piles into it. Right away, Mr. Warren. You'll be riding in with us? No. 
No, I've got a ride, Tom. Uh, do the best you can, huh? And let me know when you get through looking her over. You bet, Mr. Warren. Goodbye, Tom. And thanks. The car phone made a deep impression on Dexter Brand, your biggest client, didn't it, Ross? And you're certain that Bob Turner, owner of the car, made an even deeper one. And his dramatic appearance on the seldom-traveled road from Dexter Brand's cabin into town seems more than a mere coincidence, doesn't it? The next morning, as you reach your office, you find that it is. Oh, Mr. Warren, where have you been? I'm frantic. No, no, Edna, it couldn't be as bad as all that. Well, couldn't it? All morning I've been crazy looking for you. <laughs> Look, beautiful, suppose you calm down and... Calm down? What, what? How can I? He's dead, I tell you. He's dead. All right, Edna, he's dead. Now, who's dead? Mr. Average American. That's who's dead. Wayne Parks? The man we're featuring in this month's ad? Yes, the stroke. And Graphic Magazine is holding their presses and howling for another layout right away because... Well, how can we salute Mr. Average American when he's dead? And what are we going to do? Well, uh, rush them next month's layout, of course. There isn't any, Mr. Warren. That was the last of the series, don't you remember? Next month, it's all different. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. <laughs> we are in a hole, aren't we? Oh, Mr. Warren, if I may... Please, uh... you'll have to wait. Mr. Warren is very busy now. An emergency has come up. Well, I know. You left the door open, and I couldn't help overhearing. Uh, Mr. Warren, I'm familiar with your campaign, and I believe there's a simpler way to save that ad. Mr. Turner again, huh? You seem to have a knack of turning up at just the right minute. You've got an idea. Yes. Why not change the caption, We Salute, to We Mourn, Mr. Average American? All the rest of it can remain pretty much as it is. Hey. hey maybe you've got something there. Edna, did you hear? Oh, I think that's wonderful. I'm so relieved. All morning, the magazine calling and me not knowing where you were. I don't know what you came to see me about, Mr. Turner, but the way I feel right now, you can ask anything. Oh, just make it Bob. I'm with Blaine and Blaine, Mr. Warren. The big Hollywood advertising agency? No wonder you had the know-how on that ad. <laughs> okay, Bob, what can I do for you? And you can make it Ross. Okay. Well, let me tell you a story. On my last vacation, someone looted my car, took everything, including my fishing tackle. Mm. So passing through Lake Town here on my way to the lake, I bought some new gear made by a manufacturer here in town. The man you met last night, Mr. Brand. I handle his advertising. I know. Well, his gear's wonderful. But later, when I tried to get more of it in some of the eastern cities, why, nobody had ever heard of Brand fishing equipment. He only sells in the western states. That's what I don't get. How come? Why, if he advertised more... Is that what you're here for? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to chisel your account. Just the opposite. You see, I'm fed up with my job, and I've got a little money put by, and I thought of starting my own agency, maybe in some place like Lake Town here. Oh? Competition, huh? Not if you don't want it. This is a manufacturing town. I figure there must be lots of local men who could triple their business if they went in for wider advertising. Now, you've got a nice setup here. If I can sell some of them on the idea... Could you and I maybe talk uh, partnership? Partnership? Say on any new accounts I bring in, and any hikes on old ones. You know, Turner, I think maybe I'll give it a try. Swell. On one condition. You either sell Mr. Brand on national advertising, or you find yourself another town. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, Mr. Brand and his daughter are having dinner with me tonight. Why, why don't you join us? Hey, that's great. That'll give you a chance to sound out, Mr. Brand. Uh, but uh, no passes at Kitty Brand... She's beautiful, and she's mine. Engaged, huh? Well, we haven't announced it, so uh, 
Mum's the word, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be good. You thought you did that rather well, didn't you, Ross? Well, you know that in Dexter Brand, Bob Turner will come up against a stone wall. And you have Bob's word that if he fails, he'll leave town. Yes, Ross, he'll leave, never knowing you lied about being engaged to Kitty. You couldn't know, could you, that by inviting him to dinner with the Brands, you were inviting disaster. <laughs> I'll tell you why I'm being so hard-headed. You see, I hate manufacturing. Got into it in spite of myself. I couldn't get the kind of fishing rod I wanted, so I went ahead and made one. Friends saw it. I had to make another, then another and another. First thing I know, I'm manufacturing all kinds of fishing tackle. That's why I hate it. Doesn't leave me enough time to fish. If I were to expand, it would uh, leave me even less. And I love fishing. <laughs> I don't believe it. I beg your pardon? I said, sir, that I don't think you give a hoot about fishing. Look here, young man. Are you trying to tell me that... I'm afraid I you read the wrong line that time. Yes, Bob. young man. I wish you'd explain that remark. Well, you said yourself, sir, that you made rods for your friends. And why? Because you wanted them to have the best so they could enjoy their fishing as you enjoyed yours. Of course, which proves just... Well, think I... of the thousands of Isaac Waltons whose vacations will be spoiled for lack of brand equipment. Huh? Why, every time a good one gets away from a faulty hook or snaps oh. an inferior rod, you, Mr. Brand, are directly responsible. By <laughs> <laughs> Joe, that's the best argument I've heard yet. Ross, you ought to take this, uh, uh, this conniver on as a partner. You really think so, sir? He will, sir, if you'll expand your coverage. Oh, so it's a plot. Well, Ross, it looks like I'm stuck with more advertising and you're stuck with a partner. And if I were you, I'd look out. He's likely to take over your whole business. In that case, I'm afraid I'd have to find a way to dissolve the partnership. A lot of things have changed since Bob Turner came into your life six months ago in that storm on the Willow Canyon Road. He's become a full-fledged partner in your advertising agency after selling Dexter Brand on the idea of a national campaign. And other accounts have followed Brand's lead until your business has nearly tripled. Bob sold you, too, hasn't he, Ross? True, you work harder and longer than you ever have. But you've acquired a great many things you've wanted. A healthy bank account. A big new car with all the extras. Yes, even including a car telephone. Through it all, you've had just one regret, haven't you, Ross? You haven't been able to see Kitty Brand nearly as often as you'd wanted to. But as you walk up the front steps to her home to keep your first date in weeks, you're certain that tonight will make up for all the nights you've been away from. Kitty. Hi. You the official greeter here now? Oh, only when it's the maid's night out or dad's packing. Come in, Ross. Your father taking a trip? I'm oh, just up to the lake. He and Bob have a theory about some special tackle or something. You couldn't prove it by me. But anyway, they're going to try it out. Come on in the library. I've mixed some cocktails. Bob's going too, huh? 
funny he didn't mention it. Oh, I think he's just driving Dad up tonight. Probably spend tomorrow fishing. Oh, I see. Here we are. Sit down, Ross. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look wonderful, Kitty. Mm-hmm. You mind if I drink to that? Well, let's make it that we both look wonderful. So we can both drink. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Mm. To us. Because we're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss you, Kitty. So much. Well, that's nice, Ross. No, it isn't nice. I don't like missing you. I don't ever want to miss you again. Oh, my. So serious. I am serious, Kitty. I don't think I realized how serious I was until I saw you again a few minutes ago. Kitty, darling, I love you. Ross, I... My goodness, just one swallow from a martini. I want you to marry me, Kitty. I've wanted you to for a long time. But now I'm in a position to... Ross, please, don't. Don't say these things. Not now. This is the first time I've been able to say them. You've known all along. You must have. I I, I thought I knew, Ross, but... Why did you wait so long? I had to, darling. I wanted money. Lots of money. It wouldn't have mattered before, Ross. Don't you see? It would have been all right. But now I... Now it's it's all different. Kitty, what's so different? I just got more money now. I haven't changed. But I have. I didn't want to, Ross. Really, I didn't. But I changed in spite of myself, I guess. I'm in love, Ross. Really in love. For the first time. Kitty. But who? With a man who doesn't even know it. He's never said anything or done anything. Oh, Ross, I don't want to hurt you. But it... It's Bob. Bob. Bob Turner. Why then? I've told you, he's done absolutely nothing about it. I'm sure he hasn't any idea how I feel. But well, since I do feel that way, Ross, I... Well, there's, there's not much I can do about it, is there? No. No, Kitty. I guess there isn't. Kitty and Bob. It's quite a shock, isn't it, Ross? Not at all the way you planned. You realize you'll have to do something about Bob because you're determined that no one can have Kitty but you. You're still searching for a solution shortly before midnight as you enter your apartment to find the phone ringing. Hello. Ross, this is Bob. Didn't wake you, did I? No. Just got in. Where are you calling from? I'm up at Mr. Brand's cabin. Going to spend the night here. Do some fishing tomorrow, but I'm driving back to town tomorrow night. Oh, I see. I, uh, I'd like to see you tomorrow night, if you can make it, Ross. I, I've got some things to talk over with you. Mm, okay, Bob. But uh, if you're off on a little fishing junket, forget about business. Oh, I, I don't want to see you about business, Ross. It's, well, I just want to talk with you a while. I'd prefer to do it in person. Uh, fine, fine. Suppose we uh, meet at your apartment, whenever you say. Oh, good. I'll leave here at 7.30. That should get me back to town about uh, 9. How does that sound? 9 it is. Tomorrow night. I'll see you then. Good night. Goodbye, Bob. Your solution came suddenly, didn't it, Ross? And Bob gave it himself. A little after 8 the next evening, you parked your car in the heavy woods at the foot of a well-known slide area on Willow Canyon Road. In a matter of minutes, you roll several boulders into the middle of the road. And then as you hear a car approaching, you rush back to your own car, completely hidden from sight. 
You peer through the thick trees. See Bob's car approaching. He suddenly swings to miss the boulders, balances precariously on the drop side of the road. And then the car miraculously rights itself, hugs the road again, and moves past the boulders to a safe stop. You failed, didn't you, Ross? You watch Bob get out of his car, push the boulders to the side of the road, return to his car, and start for town. As you pull your car onto the road and drive slowly down the canyon toward town, you realize you must get rid of Bob Turner. Once he's out of the way, you'll control all the new business he's brought in and have a clear field with Kitty. Then it hits you, an even better plan. Then you're certain you'll not fail again. There's an automatic in your glove compartment and an alibi in your car telephone. You stop the car and place a call to Hoffman's Garage in Lake Town. Hoffman's Garage, Tom speaking. This is Ross Warren, Tom. Afraid I need your tow car again. Uh-oh. Don't tell me you're stranded on Willow Canyon Road again. Well, uh, not this time, Tom. I'm I'm about 20 miles out on the Marilton Road. The uh, car went out of control uh, just by those bluffs. You know the spot? Sure. Now, look, Mr. Warren, we'll be there, but it may take an hour or so. The truck's out now, and there's another call ahead of you. Well, that's okay, Tom. There's no hurry. I'll wait right here in the car for you. It's a break, isn't it, Ross? An hour will give you ample time to get to town, take care of Bob Turner, and drive out to the bluffs on the Merrillton Road. You'll wreck your car there and make certain of a perfect alibi in the bargain. You're punctual. You're a little ahead of time. I just got here. I know. Uh, sit down. Man, I I need a drink. Darn near turned the car over coming down here. Boulders in the road along that slide area. I know that, too. You do? But how? I just... Bob, this personal matter you want to discuss with me, it's Kitty, isn't it? Well, yes, Ross, it is. I, I thought we could talk it out, you and I. You're in love with her. Want to marry her? Well, yes, but... Is she in love with you? I don't know. Uh, look, Ross, this isn't the way I'd planned it. Sit down, won't you, and we'll... But this is the way I planned it. No, I won't sit down. My aim's straighter if I stand. Oh, Ross, are you crazy? Put that gun away. Don't! Okay, Bob. I don't mind putting the gun away. Now... He's dead, isn't he, Ross? As you turn to leave, you pull the drapes aside slightly to look out. And walking toward the apartment just a few houses down, you recognize a familiar figure passing under the streetlight. It's Kitty Brand. You sigh with relief that you saw her before she could see you. Then you turn quickly, race for the back of the apartment, let yourself out the back entrance, and rush out into the night towards your car parked on the side of the street. Once there, you check your time. You have half an hour, Ross. Ample time to drive to the bluffs on the Merrillton Road before the tow car from the Hoffman Garage is due to arrive. And you make it with five minutes to spare. No. 
to make this alibi. Hold on. That ought to do it. Well, Ross, you're pleased with the way things worked out, aren't you? You bashed in the front of your car right by the bluffs just as you planned. And before the tow car arrived from town, you had time to bury the automatic that killed Bob Turner. You're confident now, aren't you, Ross? Certain that it's just a matter of time until Kitty Brand gets over the shock of Bob's death and agrees to marry you. The next day, you're properly shocked and bereaved as Lieutenant Norris calls for you in his police car. And the two of you discuss the crime as you ride along. You become so engrossed in the discussion, you're unaware that he's driven you far out from town, on the Merrillton Road. Well, naturally, I'm anxious to help all I can, Lieutenant. Bob Turner was, well, like a brother to me. I'm going to take you up on that help angle, Mr. Warren. Tom Hoffman's already pointed out the spot on the Merrillton Road where he picked up you and your car last night. Want you to verify that, if you don't mind. Why, of course. Be glad to. Well, I didn't even notice. We're almost there, aren't we? That's right. Now, you see, Mr. Warren, the two stories are a little confusing. What two stories? Yours and Kitty Brand's. She was out for a walk last night, dropped by Turner's apartment and discovered his body. And she saw your car parked on the side street next to the apartment. But well, she couldn't have. I, I was... I know. Both you and Tom Hoffman say you were right here in a smashed car at the time. But that's true. Hey, that's my car there. Now, we took the liberty of bringing it back out here, Mr. Warren, to prove something to both of us. Come on over here for a minute. I'm afraid I don't understand, Lieutenant. You will. Now, just for the record... Will you get in your car and show me how you placed that call to the garage last night? Why, of course. I just picked up the receiver, pushed this button, and the operator answered. Uh, That's funny. Something's wrong with this phone. No, Warren, there's something wrong with your story. Now, see here. Tom Hoffman picked me up right here at the same time Kitty Brand found Turner dead 20 miles away. In case you don't know it, Lieutenant, there's a law of physics that says nobody can occupy two places at the same time. That's right. And there's a law of electronics that says you couldn't possibly have made the phone call to Hoffman's garage from this spot, Warren. What do you mean I couldn't? Just that nobody can make or receive calls from here. Because this whole stretch of road is an absolute dead spot for radio. will be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Sunday night at this same time. Signal dealers are so proud of the good mileage of their famous go-farther gasoline. They have available free a mileage record book in which you can keep track of your own mileage, as well as other car purchases and information. 
This handy mileage record book is just one of the many thoughtful extras offered free by friendly, independently operated signal service stations to add more smiles to your miles. Featured in tonight's story were Bill Foreman, Les Tremaine, Gene Bates, Bob Bruce, Elizabeth Root, Herb Butterfield, and Charles Seal. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen, with story by George Asnes, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Whistler is entirely fictional, and all characters portrayed on The Whistler are also fictional. Any similarity of names or resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Remember to tune in at the same time next Sunday when the Signal Oil Company will bring you another strange story by The Whistler, entitled The Man in the Trench Coat, in which a top coat belonging to another man leads the wearer to the unmasking of a blackmailer and murder. Marvin Miller speaking for The Signal Oil Company. Stay tuned now for our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Father Knows Best. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.